How are you today? I'm uh, I'm good. It's Friday. It's end of the week. I'm ready for this week to end and never return. Why is that? Just a long week. Shitty week. Hard you do week anything good? Uh, no, it was a shitty week uh, at work. It was a long week at work. It was a, you know, like anyone else, had my personal trials and tribulations, and uh, I'm ready to 86 this week, right into the weekend. Interesting, interesting. You went to New York City, though, didn't you? Yeah, I went to New York City for three hours. I drove two and a half hours. Uh, Day trip. Went to the city to work. The work actually took me about an hour to do. Two hours I spent wasting time until my subject arrived. And then Mm -hmm. uh, I had to do an interview. I had to interview someone and film them. And we ended up doing the whole thing uh, on the corner of Lexington and 68th. And as I'm filming this woman, my subject for this project at work there's a person who walks off the sidewalk behind her and starts vomiting (laughs) so i'm filming this this subject and there's a person behind her going she's just bent over and she's puking all over it was fabulous i was uh that's that's the beauty of new york though right i mean yeah yeah so This has nothing to do with it, but, like, when I lived in Hoboken, my wife and I were dating at the time. We get up on a Saturday morning, and we we phrased it, or we coined the term, urban hike. So, like, just picture a Saturday morning, go get some coffee, hop on the train, go into Manhattan. And we would just walk around certain areas of the town, whether it's, like, a Tribeca, you know, Canal Street or Lower East Side, whatever. Right. We walked across the Brooklyn Bridge and got pizza one day and then we took a taxi all the way back to Hoboken because my feet were killing me. But this one particular day, you know, it definitely doesn't beat the puking, but this will terrify you. We were walking in West Village somewhere near like whatever. Uh, I can't remember the streets, Bleecker Street, whatever. There was in the parking lot of like a school or something about 200 mimes. <laughs> they were going to have a mime parade. And I shit you not, like we just randomly walked by. It was the scariest freaking thing I've ever seen. And we just like, my wife grabbed me. She's like, those are, look at Jerry, mime parade. Look at it. And they're all just like milling about, not talking to each other, making hand gestures. I organized the mime parade. <laughs> mime, mimes are mimes are the are clowns' second cousins. I I uh, I think they're horrifying. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Anyway, our yeah, topic I, today. Go go. Oh uh, no, I was just gonna say one. I I what I so I I was I had to work at the corner of 68th and Lexington yesterday, and I I didn't know where to park, and. Uh, so I turn onto 69th Street, and right on the corner, I see a parking garage. I'm like, "Oh, cool!" So I pull into the parking. I pull into the driveway or the parking garage, you know, and and I turn into the parking garage, thinking it's going to be a garage. I turn, and it's just a wall. <laughs> and there's like there's like ten cars, like just stacked up there. Yeah. And the guys, like 
yeah, just leave your car there. It's good. So I did. I, it worked out, but I'm just like, New York is just such a strange place, man. How much did it cost? I've got it. It cost me 40 bucks for three hours. and That's not bad. Um, I mean, my work will pay for it, but uh, yeah. just like, you know, you a lot of times you pull into parking garages and there's yeah. ramps and floors and this is just a wall. <laughs> I, I don't get it. Work. I don't get any of it. I, I mean, as much as uh, it's crazy, when I moved there, I, I lamented my move probably for about the first six months. And then all of a sudden something of a switch flips and you're like, nope, this is my place. Yeah. I had a hard time leaving. Yeah, I, so, I, I used know. to. I, I was never a huge fan in New York, but then I go down there a lot for work. Uh, and I've just become, I think once you become used to it and you stop being intimidated by it, like especially when you're driving, you know? Yeah. I used to hate the thought of driving in New York, but now I've done it so much. It's like second nature and, and, uh, so I think once the intimidation wears off and you become used to it and you know what to expect, it's, <clears throat> you look at it differently. Yeah. What do I know? No, I, you're absolutely right. I mean, I don't know. It's a good place. I like it, but just bring a lot of money cause you're going to blow through it. <laughs> All right. So topic for today, uh, we're going to pick apart make fun of and then rebuild this self-help industry which you know me and you we're kind of skeptical guys maybe a little stoical that we get from from our upbringing our you know you and i have um very similar upbringings i would say I mean, first pass and i've asked a few people this so i'm very interesting when you hear someone say self-help or self-help what what conjures, what are the images that conjure up in your mind? Uh, just the opposite. <laughs> yeah. You know, first of all, self-help should mean helping yourself. But it's a whole industry built around making other people rich that you're seeking their advice from, which is, you know, just everything in America, I guess. Um I, I don't know. I've never been. I've read two self help books in my entire life. Uh, Which ones? One was uh, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Yeah. Mark, Mark Manson. And if I got anything out of that, it was basically, uh, you know, be very careful and choose selectively what you're gonna give a fuck about. Uh, and that, and what, what he meant by that was, you know, you can waste a ton of energy worrying about things and valuing things that really don't matter. And you got to choose what matters. Mm -hmm. to you you got to choose carefully. And then you put your energy into those things and you'll find that what you choose is what you ultimately value. And that, that was helpful. Uh, the other one I read was, uh, 10% happier. And uh, it was a book by an ABC correspondent, actually, who uh, has led kind of a fucked up life. And he got really messed up on drugs and 
he he got he basically found a, a cure in meditation. So I tried to meditate and I failed miserably at that. Interesting. I took a public speaking class. It was a two day class, and this guy, um, they have their own company, and they have trained and worked with all kinds of athletes, uh, sports figures that go on to have lives of public speaking. Uh, I think they worked with Lou Holtz at one point because he was like really terrible at public speaking and he had really bad lip. But I mean, you know, he went on to be an announcer on the, you know, on, on sports and and people love Lou Holtz, right? I mean, that guy's one of the most well-loved people around. Um, Anyway, he, this guy, I made fun of him at lunch because he was talking about how he uh, meditates and he, what's that when you knock yourself out with the little thing? Hypnotizes himself. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he was saying that to a bunch of us at lunch and I just laughed right in his face. I felt kind of bad, but at the same time, I'm like, that sounds like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I'm like, do you? And I went like this: Do you put the watch in front of you and say you're getting sleepy? You know, <laughs> he I didn't like about, that. I've thought about going to a hypnotist. I, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with trying certain things. You know, I mean, I, I, uh, <clears throat> I just don't. When I look them up on the internet, I'm like, how do you know who's legitimate? You know, well, that's the the internet. It's a blessing and a curse. But this guy, what was interesting about him, and he was legit, right? I learned, I've been public speaking for a long time at this point in my career. And um, he taught me a few things that were just really good, how to sharpen up your game. And again, a lot of these people will give you a format, but it's it, everything regar- regarding self-help is tools and some ideas and then stories. If you look at any of them. And, like, you look at, like, Tony Robbins, who's made a gigantic industry for himself and other people that have followed after him. I mean, I remember when he first started coming around, you just did the eye roll and and you're like, oh, I don't want to hear this guy and his bullshit. You know, he's selling, who's selling snake oil? So it's like everything else. You know, I've read a small handful of these Um and I read that Seven Habits of Highly Effective People a long time ago. And I remember reading it specifically thinking, I know all this shit. I wasted 20 bucks on this book or whatever I spent on it. But there were probably a couple things in there that I'm doing that I knew, hey, maybe I could focus a little more on this. Like people, you know, there's one about um, building your strengths. And it's great to learn new skills and, and push yourself out of the box. But to really take an assessment of yourself and go, what am I really good at? And how can I get even better at that? Because like Eddie Van Halen didn't say, I'm great at guitar. You know, I'm going to go learn how to play a saxophone, right? Right. Did he do that to himself? Or I'm going to go learn something else. He used the guitar, you know, with what he was good at and got really good at it or great. I don't know. Um, I think think that... It's like any industry or any any uh, part of American culture. There's people who are legitimate, and then there's the phonies. Um, my problem is that 
the phonies are often more successful than the people who are legitimate, you know, like, like Dr. Laura, you know, (laughs) God, this woman just skyrocketed to fame and she cashed in, you know, and she's, she's this like marriage counselor and this moralist and she would, you know, her, her, all of her advice was like really judgy. And I've got this, I would listen to her. I've got this thing where if I can't stand you, I will pay attention to you. I don't know why I'm like that, but uh, uh, mm. I just, I just am. And, you know, and then it come, you come to find out that, you know, she, <clears throat> she had all these Christian values and she was always lecturing and I, I thought she was very judgy. And then it come, you come to find out that, you know, in the 90s, there are these nude photos of her that started spreading on the Internet. And the guy that uploaded them was some, like, married guy that she had an affair with, <laughs> you know. Mm. And I, I'm not judging her for the affair. Affairs happen, blah, blah, blah. But I'm judging her for the way she presented herself. And, you know, you turn out she's a, it, turns, it turns out she's a fraud. Yeah, she was a hypocrite, and uh, she built her whole career on being this moralist who shamed others. And you know we're all flawed, so to hold yourself out there, like, and and I found the same thing with Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh, you know, he would he he became this symbol of like traditional American values, and the guy's yeah, the guy's personal life was way more messy than a a a rock star's, you know. I mean, this guy was yep. a mess. He, the guy was a mess. <laughs> but it's so like I, that imposter syndrome, you know, like they 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 get a little bit of fl- fame and they they have to cling to it because it's really ends up being the only thing. They have. You know, I mean, if you were to be take a stoic approach to it, you just kind of turn around and look at them and you have to feel bad for them, even though they're a charlatan. Yeah, know? but so. Who do you blame though? Do you do you blame them for cashing in, or do you blame their followers for not seeing through it? And I I tend to you know blame their followers. Well, you can uh, you know it's the trouble of going painting with a wide brush, even though you know all we do is imitate each other and follow each other around, right? I mean, it's how we learn is by imitating. Um, I was just going to take it back to, you know, you and I, I used to think I was really poor when I was growing up because like we lived in a, a we were probably the, poor, the one of the poorer people in our neighborhood. Um, but we could have moved to a poor neighborhood and, like people in that neighborhood. You, you get my point. Yeah. Um, so, but I, so I had a bit of a false perception, but as I got older, as I'm like, shit, parents you know sometimes i look at the way they ran their lives and i'm like that's a bit of a loaves and fishes story if you really want to think about it from the right point of view and the right point of view is trying to take a positive spin on things versus just this sucks everything sucks we drive shitty cars all our neighbors have better cars than us and i i became fixated on that car thing for some reason probably because my neighbors always made fun of us i don't know if you remember this but in high school i got in a fight with a guy because he told somebody that our house looked like 
<laughs> looked like a junkyard because it had all these junky cars in it. <laughs> so I actually walked up to him and punched him right in the middle of high school. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway. I mean, again, you guys had 11 kids, so. Yeah, but where I was going with that was, you know, you and I had fathers that gave a shit about us. And they taught us a lot of things through experience, through watching them. I mean, my dad was no joke. He got up every day and went to work. He might have drank a bunch of beer, but, you know, he just sat, he worked, and he came home, and he gave his my mom his paycheck and never complained about it. So you just learn just from watching and then saying, gee, how do I measure up to that guy? Now, you think about how many kids today in our in our world don't even have that guy to look at and go, I can be better than him. Or, you know, my dad used to say, be better than me. I should have been smarter in my life. You be better than me. And he meant that. I had a friend who his dad used to say his dad made some success in middle management, you know, and made a good living. And this kid's dad used to say to him, I'll always be better than you. You fucking suck. You know, <laughs> what kind of a dad would do? Like, I couldn't fathom. My dad never said any shit like that to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, yeah, my my dad didn't either. I never, my dad worked all the time. I didn't see much of him, but. Uh, um, but even yeah. that, you knew he was working to provide for you guys. So just knowing that does something for you. You, yeah, you can uh, learn. Yeah, um, I mean, it, 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 it was an issue between us, but. Uh, uh, you know, again, I've said it before, there's a difference between working hard and being a workaholic. And one is good, and I think one is bad. But, uh, um, but you know, my dad was a really good dad. Uh, going back to self-help, you know, I think if, think if, if you, I think people can get something out of it, and that's a good thing. If, if you can get something out of someone's advice, good for you. But when you start, I see people who are so addicted to that industry and those books and those shows and when you start using these people as a as your guru you know that i think that negatively impacts someone's self-esteem and they're not helping themselves it's the again it's the direct opposite of you know the what the industry is named after so well you know if you and me wrote a self-help book it would probably be a pamphlet you know, and it would probably just have a couple of pictures. <laughs> Stick drawings. <laughs> and a diagram. And it would be like, go figure it out, Dick. <laughs> well, you know, like, I mean, the, like the danger to me in, the, in the, that whole movement is when you're constantly seeking the self-help, you know, you're... I think you're constantly reminding yourself that you're unhappy and you're inefficient and, and that's not good. Yep. You know, I mean, again, mental illness is built into us. You know, I mean, you think about it, you break your leg or pull a hammy, you can go to the doctor. Nobody's going to mock you for that. But if you're having, mental issues where you just can't get over something or you you find yourself angry, you know, even like road rage, you know, I mean, I used to enjoy just 
someone cut me off, like yelling, hey, you bleep, 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 bleep. And then I could just, like, two seconds later, I'd forget about it. Um, but I would, I would still say, well, why did I feel like that? Or, you know, you get cut and then you pull up and you're like, I'm going to give him the finger. And then it's like a little granny that didn't even see you when they lost my dick. You know, <laughs> but you have to kind of, you have to, this is where the self-help comes in. You have to at least identify, like, what is it about me that I want to make better? What are those things? So to me, it's carving up that time to be your own best friend, right? Because people are lazy, but that might not be the right way to approach it. Or they're not, maybe they don't value themselves because they weren't valued as a kid. I mean, a lot of the stuff that is wrong with people gets embedded in you when you're a child. So once you get old enough, if you don't try to fix it, you know, good luck. Or maybe, you know, a lot of people don't, they're just like, I, I used to love uh, fucking with people, you know, and why? Because I got fucked with. And then so I always thought, well, the minute someone gives me some shit, I'm going to show them what giving shit's all about. And I used to enjoy that quite a bit. And then one day I was like, why do I do that? If I just start doing that to my children, then I'm going to be a real asshole of a father, you know? And that kind of led me, you asked me a long time ago, like, why did you start like trying to do all this stuff and reading like these Jordan Peterson books or Carl Jung or some of these other psychiatry, psychology books? I'm like, you know, because I know I came from a place that was a little rough and I knew I could be better and I wanted to want. And then I don't care whose book you buy. A lot of them have the same shit in them. But to your point, getting attached to this hero worship that becomes a problem in itself. Yeah. You know, there's I had a friend. I'm, I'm all for trying to improve yourself. I mean, right. all for that. God, I need improvement. Holy shit. <laughs> I fucked up on so many fronts, but, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, but beating yourself work in, up is work never in the progress. Work in progress. <sighs> yeah. I, I, you know, we can, uh, we're, we're coming up on a, on our, uh, I wanted to ask you, I don't know why I wrote down some goofy things to talk about, but like, I try to boil it down to a couple things and you always say this, but practicing self-discipline, you're never going to, um, expect to fail and <laughs> you know, I wouldn't say learn to enjoy it. <laughs> But at least, like, don't beat yourself up about it. I played golf with this guy one time that kept yelling. Every time he fucked up a shot, which was a lot, I didn't know him. He got uh -huh. paired up with me and my buddy. He kept yelling at himself in the third person. And, you know, we're drinking beers. And and after, like, my second or third beer, you know, I lose my filter pretty quickly. But I started mimicking him. And instead of, you know, when I fucked up a shot, I, I would yell at myself in his name. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, for the next, you know, we talked about uh, nicknames and stuff. Me and my buddy called the guy Grable. And he's like, what way to go, Grable. You can't, you can't. Grable. Gee, I don't know. I, I never met the guy before and never saw him since. So, but my buddy and I, like, for the next few weeks, I call up and like, Grable, what are you doing, Grable? <laughs> like, we watched this fucking guy beat himself up the whole time we were golfing. Meanwhile, 
I'm screwing up. I'm hitting balls in the water, in the woods. I'm not even looking for them. I just throw it on another one, hit it, and I don't give a shit. So enjoy screwing up. I don't know. That guy might, I think up. that guy might have had some other things going on. Well, of course. I'm sure he did. Um, you know, just live in the moment. I don't think enough of us do that. So that's like three things. <laughs> I, I'm really bad at living in the moment. Hey, I wanted to ask you a question. We talk about, like, I had, like, this uh, weird attraction to cars. But I don't remember you ever having a shitty car. Like, the first car I remember you having, that pickup truck. Your first car you Mazda. Wasn't it a Mazda? Or am I wrong? When you moved yeah. to well, Watertown? A lot of that was because my father always had a, a car for his construction company, a, a truck. And then a car for home, and my mom didn't know how to drive, so there was always a car at my disposal. And then when I graduated college, uh, that was my the truck was my first car. And um, yeah, I remember Frank, so uh, our buddy, his car. I remember uh, the guy who's a cop, his cars, right? The Pacer gremlin whatever the hell it was but i was like i'm like i don't remember any of your cars i just it was just one of those weird things i'm like what did otis drive well again all, like like all of your mothers drove so there was never a, and they and you worked and then there was never a car available for you guys you know my dad had the family right. car and then he had the truck for his business and he always drove the truck because he would but you never home. drove us to go out drinking I guess is what I'm talking about. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, because I, I always got drunk. <laughs> <laughs> we let we let well, Sal do that. Is. Well, Sal is a way better driver when he was drunk, so you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure we cleared that up because it's been bothering me. Well, like, yeah, did you ever drive? Not when I was <laughs> drinking. No. No, I had more important things to do, like get drunk. <laughs> what a stupid I remember, question. Jared. I don't remember I don't remember Frank ever driving either, except you know, he did the one time and he threw up in his mom's car. That was great. <laughs> he had that huge <laughs> He had that talking car, man. That car deserved to be thrown up in. <laughs> That's what he that gets for so, being a rich guy. <laughs> it was, it was so, we thought that was so cutting edge because it talked. Told you when yeah. it's it's open. I'll tell you what's funnier is I double dated with a kid who was now a famous attorney that we both know. You went to college with him. I double dated to a prom with him, with this girl like I didn't know. I'd just been set up with for just the prom. Yeah. And he had the exact same car that talked. And my date threw up in the back of his car. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, he like two for two. He became a famous attorney. He had some famous clients. Yeah. I used to sit, when I was the day supervisor for the Associated Press, uh, photos of him used to come over the transom. And, you know, he's out in front of a courthouse with his client, Bernard Carrick. And I'm thinking, I know all about that fucker. <laughs> not not Carrick, the lawyer. Like I know, I know. That dude. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, hey, you know we all have a we all have a history, don't we? <laughs> well, maybe he got where he is because he read some self help books. 
<laughs> so, I mean, if you're going to, so we'll tie this up. If you were going to read a self-help, the subtle art of not giving up, you'd say, I haven't read it yet. Yeah. But again, I haven't read that many. Uh, that guy just seems the most down to earth. He sounded like a fuck up himself. Uh, you know, I kind of related to him and it wasn't preachy. I like the way he got into uh, his subjects and uh, again, Mark Manson, you could follow him on Instagram actually. Uh, but I find him annoying on Instagram by his book. He has, a he was on, um, he was on a podcast with Jordan Peterson and his daughter, Michaela. Yeah. As I, I would say that was a pretty good interview. Uh, Peterson's gotten more personable, I think, as he's aged. He's gone through some weird stuff with his own addiction problems. Yeah, he's some a, health he's problems, dude. I wouldn't call him a self-help guy, though. Um, he's not. You know, um, no, he's. I mean, he's. But it, it's funny because he's not someone that ever sought out fame, right? right. He was just a little college professor. You know, with the with the tweed jacket and the and the elbows patches that now got thrown into this, and I don't think it's his thing at all. Um, I like, but I can, you know, yeah, I don't have one, but uh, you know, I had a houndstooth for a little while when I wore jackets. Houndstooth, they're all right. Got to have a houndstooth. You can't, really find, say, you can't really, you can't find like the good houndstooth jackets anymore unless you like go to. Uh, a vintage store like the ones we grew up with. There's houndstooth out there, but Riverside Men's Shop. There's another one in Buffalo because Riverside was O O'Connell's. I don't yeah, think it's still sister, open, but I went there. Used to work there. She was a buyer there. Was she really? Yeah. Interesting. All right, brother. I don't know who the smartest guy in the room today was, so we'll just say it's. You know what? Lewis. I'm going to say it's our uh, buddy who became a famous lawyer. <laughs> He's a very smart man. Much smarter right, than me. <laughs> Take care, right. dude. Later. Take